Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are the God that brings the rain and you even work through nature and uh, you sustain your creation. Thank you for keeping us safe, even with the lightning storm and hail and threats of different things. Just thank you for your provision and how you work even through nature. Thank you for each person that is here tonight. Pray that we would hear from you through your word. We'll give you the glory for that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So... Uh, how to start this session is kind of the or this series. It's a six-week series, and I every time you do any series, you struggle with the name of it. And I didn't get so creative, but abiding in me is literally in our text like eleven times. Jesus says this, and uh, and I struggle with this not struggle, but I debated this this passage in this context because, or I it, I was drawn towards it because I think we live in a day and age where. There's all sorts of things. If you have any problems, if your life isn't right, if you uh, are depressed, if you're anxious, if you worry, if you're anything, you either go to a trained counselor, you get on some drugs, or maybe you Google something, or maybe you go to a doctor, or maybe you go to whatever, and you find, whether it's through medication, or whether it's through counseling, or whether it's through whatever, you can go through our life, and in our society, Western society, we realize Generally, as we go through life, Christian or non-Christian, there comes days when you were like, I feel like I'm just a hamster on a wheel. I go to work. I do the same thing every day. And or this is for people that work. Some of y'all are retired. But even in your retiring days, you can feel like I'm just not I'm I'm just I'm just not fulfilled. Just this this life is just not I'm it feels like I'm missing something. And even as we relate with each other and some that are married, some are not married, but maybe you have close friends, maybe you have family people and. I don't know how you are, but what if someone came up to you and came up to you and said, uh, "You've really been touchy lately." What would your initial reaction if someone comes up to you and basically says, "What's wrong with you? Your attitude, your demeanor, you're just pessimistic, you're negative, the sky is falling, maybe you watch too much news, Fox or CNN, it doesn't matter." Uh, you know, you just see the opening of any news, and it's like, man, the sky is falling. My gosh, we fired the Speaker of the House. We've done all these things. Trump's under arrest, or that's good or bad. I don't know. All these things, and just the, and and it's just crazy. But when someone comes up to you, probably the initial thing we would say is, "I just dismiss you. <laughs> uh, you you think there's something wrong with me, but it's it's probably more with you than me, right? We'll dismiss it." But what if someone comes up to you and confronts you, someone that has your best interests in mind, someone that you know cares about you and loves you and wants you to be the best you you can be? Maybe that's a spouse. Maybe that's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a mom or dad. Maybe it's a child. They come and they say, I'm concerned about you. A wise man in Proverbs says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes... If you have enough, if you have a good friend, a good friend would tell you the truth, even if the truth hurts. And for any one of us in this in Western civilization to admit that we have a problem, uh, none of us like to do that. It's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for, to ask for help. It's uncomfortable to say there's a problem. And I would suggest to you the enemy uses that. So as I begin this series, and we're going to get in, but tonight we're not digging into all the scriptures and all the passages. Tonight is about saying, it's a little bit of soul searching. And if we're honest, whether we're pastors, or whether we're lay people, or deacons, or whether we, whatever we are, there are days when we just feel like, I'm not getting anywhere. What, my way of doing things is not working. It's not satisfying, it's not, uh, it's not making any headway, I'm not seeing the progress I want. I just see uh, decline, I see unhappiness, and I, I don't see any hope. And if we're honest, there's a lot of Christians that are like that. Whether we're looking at our surroundings or whatever it is, we just become kind of distracted and irritable. And before you say and get defensive with me, I'm, not, I'm looking in the mirror myself, and I try to spend time looking in the mirror. I'm not saying, y'all, are, what's wrong with you people? I'm not going to come up to each individual and say, what's your problem? Uh, you know, spouses can do that. And then you can go back and forth a little bit like, well, what's your problem? What's your problem? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, hopefully you've de- developed enough trust to know that they, maybe there really is a problem. I need to do some inward diagnosis. I need to do some inward soul searching and say, maybe I do. My attitude really is 
bad. I'm always angry, or maybe I'm always distracted, uh, or maybe I'm always whatever it is. There are sometimes we let things into our life that do not make us become more godly. It makes us more like the world. And I will suggest to you, be careful with these. Yes, it can be used for good, just like money can be used for good, too. But money can be used for bad, too. But the sex is the same thing. Sex can be good in the right frame of mind, and it can be really bad. Cell phones and technology can be really good, and it can be really bad. And uh, this is not in my notes. But, uh, I, I, you know, there's enough things out there. It says this, this thing, and I have, I have kids now in college, and we can use it to try to stay connected, right? I can FaceTime, although I don't know how to do it half the time. I can't figure out how to flip it to what I'm seeing, but anyhow. Uh, you can text, you can FaceTime, you can do all the things. You can Zoom. Remember how Zoom was great, but now we all hate Zoom. Uh, we all are creative. We want to be in person. We want to have relationships with other people, most people. But ultimately, our ultimate satisfaction in life, it comes from a relationship with God. And if we try to fill that void with any other thing, try to fill it and you try to numb whether it's alcohol and addiction or I try to do it uh, with uh, you know based on how many friends I have on Twitter or how many friends I have on Facebook or whatever how many of those are really your friends how many of them when you say something out there hey I need someone to help me I'm in a dire situation how many of those friends really come to your help we live in a facade that thinks We're all connected, but actually, I think we're actually more isolated than ever before. And I think there's plenty of studies that would prove that. Anxiety and depression is on, uh, it's skyrocketing. And I don't think COVID helped in any way. So when someone confronts us about maybe some issue or maybe our attitude, uh, we can be defensive sometimes. But maybe some, they don't ask, you know, why are you being the way? Maybe, uh, you know, they say just kind of, what's your problem? We become, maybe they say you're distracted or irritable. Maybe they say you have no time for friends or family anymore. Maybe they'd say you seem discouraged or depressed or disconnected. All of those behaviors are, are, are symptoms of an underlying problem. Even those who seem spiritually together need to be confronted at times. King David was called out by the prophet Nathan after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and her husband was killed. And remember when Nathan the prophet is telling David about this guy that did this, and David's like, that's terrible. And then Nathan had to say, I'm talking about you, David. David did the same reaction, same acknowledgement that we did. We feel like, that's terrible. Someone's doing that. Yeah, it's you. There's just an Old Testament example of some accountability. Many of us don't like to admit our struggles, uh, but, uh, you know, isolated Christianity only works so long. Isolated Christianity. To be a lone ranger. I'm just going to do my thing. Everyone stay out of my way. I won't bother anybody else. I'm just going to do my thing. That's kind of the mantra of, of our day. You be you, I'll be me. The two never, never need to, never need to inter- intersect, right? Well, that's not the Christian way. It's not the biblical way. Love one another, be with one another, encourage one another. All the one another's in the, in the scriptures say uh, you're not created for just yourself. You need other people and you need other connections. Oftentimes the first step in correcting a problem is admitting there's a problem. Sometimes friends, counselors could speak a loving truth into your life and hold you accountable. Just a question as we start out. Do you have two or three people you could talk to on your dark days? Now, for some people... That may be your spouse. Sometimes your spouse doesn't need to know some of your darkest thoughts and darkest days. Sometimes for guys, it may be some other men. For ladies, it may be some other ladies. Um, for pastors, we're in kind of a different little thing because we don't often share our deepest, darkest things with the guys we work with. In your, in your work setting, you might not share that with the people you work with. But maybe you will. But I think... We all should have some people we can talk to. And those kind of people, they'll tell you the hard truth. Like, uh, I have one guy I call mm, from time to time, maybe once a quarter. And I whine, and he lets me talk, and I talk and talk. 
And then it kind of ends with, and I tell him my whole situation and all the things, the sky is falling, all that's wrong in the world and my life and everything. And the, the question at the end of all that is, how's that working for you? So you're trying to solve it your own ways. You've got all your plans of what God should do, what God shouldn't do. you got all your, it's all lined up. you got it all lined out how it's going to happen. And it's not happening on your timetable and in your way. And people aren't reacting the way they should. And they're not all doing what you think they should do. And uh, you try to control everything. And certain people and personalities are control freaks. Some control freaks need to be told, stop controlling everything. I am a control freak, by the way. I'm trying to learn when my kids are in college, I cannot control everything they do, and I have to let go. Um, I could give you example after example, but uh, at some point your kids will spread their wings and they fly. You have trained them, you have whatever, and and we're safety nets. We're there to help them, but they're going to make their own decisions, and they're going to do what they do. Sometimes you can be too controlling. Sometimes you can be not controlling enough. You're just a free-for-all. You're just let everyone... Let live and do whatever. But the question is that we'll come back on those dark days when we have these doubts and all these things. And maybe we have some character flaws. And maybe God uses some people to tell us, yeah, you got some character flaws. Or maybe you're not balancing, your priorities are not right. You're not balancing your connections right. Some things. The question that comes back up is, how's that working for you? Because the realization is, in our own strength, in our own ways, and in our own plans, in our own abilities, our own skills and talents, they will always fall short. We cannot solve every problem that comes our way. I don't know what life situation you're in, but there may be some among us, maybe not, but there's the, the, the middle-aged man who has all the toys but still feels empty. There's the woman who is always put together on the outside but feels like her life is out of control. There's the CEO at work who's killing it at work but is only vaguely aware of what's happening in the lives of his children and his family. There's the retirees that are bored and lonely. That's, that may be not us. Maybe that is some of us. I'd love to be a CEO, but I'm not that. Uh, so I start this session, and we're going to get to the scriptures, but I'm like, sometimes if we do some self-analyzation, realization, we realize sometimes, yeah, we all got some flaws. First point in your, or second point in your notes, we need to ask for help and reprioritize our connection with Jesus and with people in our lives. So you start by realizing there's a problem. Maybe someone speaks that loves you and cares about you, speaks into your life and says, hey, you got, can I talk to you for a few minutes? Can we go to get a cup of coffee? I just have noticed some signs, some things that are concerning, some behaviors in your life. And you know that they really care about you. They're not just here, you know, cutting you down and, and making you little so they can be big. No, they really care about you. So what can you do about it if you're trying to be a better person? Well, you can be honest. We can all be honest. Uh, it, you might need to take an afternoon off and go journal. That sounds like torture for me, but uh, just because I don't like to write. But uh, get your thoughts. I've been told to do that from time to time. I don't have enough uh, I don't have enough uh, discipline to do it as often as I probably should. But get your thoughts out there. Even if no one else sees it, uh, it's good to get out there. Go share something with a trusted friend. Go talk to somebody. Maybe go meet with a counselor. Maybe go meet with a pastor. You're not alone. The enemy says you're all alone. You're not alone. For sure God is with you if you're a child of God. But more than that, you've got people, friends, and family that care about you, that love you. You're not alone. A lot of us like to handle things on our own. We don't want to complain. We don't want to look weak or bother people. We really don't want others in our personal business. Uh, and uh, we need to realize maybe that independent mindset is what got you in the trouble in the first place. It's not good to be alone. Getting honest with situations and life difficulties is not complaining or being weak or burdening others. Uh, it's actually courageous to say, I need help to realize you need help, and to go seek help from someone that can help you. So how's that working for you question? Maybe too general. So let's get a little more specific tonight before we get to scriptures. You think, that, you think the answers to these questions are rhetorical, not to, meant to be answered aloud. Is it difficult to fall asleep at night? Do you feel lethargic waking up? What's the last passage of scripture you read through or meditated on? 
Have you been more irritable or easily annoyed with people? How often do you say you're too busy when asked to do something you you want to do, but you're too busy? Have you become more apathetic to things you once cared about? When was the last time you asked someone for help? Where do you go? What do you do when you need to escape the pressures you feel? That's a big one. Everybody's escaping something. Oftentimes we go to this. I'm just numb my mind. I'm just going to scroll. I can give up 30 minutes and just scroll. See what Taylor Swift is doing. Is she at the Chiefs game? What, what is she doing? I need to know. The media will tell you, by the way, and they can read your thoughts. It's crazy. They can read your thoughts. They know it's, they're tracking you. Um, that's neither here nor there. But we escape the pressures of life. How often do you volunteer or find ways to serve every month? So we need to evaluate our relationships, our health, our habits, and our walk with God. That's how I start tonight. Evaluate where you are. Whenever you do open up to somebody, or maybe God humbles you, he has a way of sovereignly doing that, and he says that you're vulnerable, it's, uh, it can be eye-opening. And uh, I would encourage all of us, don't be defensive and blame others for our own problems. That's kind of the day, we, that's the day and age we live in. It's somebody else's fault. Nothing's my own fault. I don't take accountability for my choices or what happens to me. It's always someone else. It's the government's fault. It's Trump's fault. Somebody's fault. So ask yourself today, how, how's, your way, how's your way of doing life working for you? Is it going well? Are you happy with progress? Do you feel fulfilled? Are you satisfied? Are you just hitting on all cylinders? Is it producing good things in your family, in your job, in your friendships, in your walk with the Lord? Is, is it all good? If it is, then keep doing the same thing by far, right? All right. Are you with me down there? Yeah, there you go. All right. <clears throat> we get honest with what's going on in our lives, and uh, we need to remember that God really knows our hearts. Remember, David asked God to search his heart. In Psalm 139, he says this, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know, you know my sitting down, my rising up. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes we need to ask God, you know, what, what do you see in my, in my heart, in my life, in my soul, in my priorities? And show me the good, the bad, and the ugly. But be careful. He will show you the good and the bad, and the ugly. So all that to preface to say we come to John 15. And this is where the next six weeks, tonight we're not going to dig in really deep, but I think often with this passage and many passages, we read a familiar passage and we think, that doesn't even apply to me. That's great. It's good knowledge. It's a good thing to put in my noggin, right? We need to apply the truths of God's word in our life. And I think for a passage like this, and if we're talking about abiding or remaining or staying in something besides ourselves, which Jesus says, by the way, abide in me, remain in me, stay connected to me, that's in controversy to all these other things that say, give me attention, give me attention, give me attention. And if you're undisciplined, and this isn't a works series, I'm not saying works. But if you're connected to Jesus Christ, he is your Lord and Savior, he saves you, you're a Christian, you're a child of God. Then we should have some fruit, some evidences in our life that say that person is walking with God. It doesn't mean you've got to be studying the scriptures 24-7. It doesn't mean you've got to walk on clouds. It doesn't mean you've got to have a halo over your head. But from what Jesus is going to say, though, if you're connected to God and Jesus Christ... There will be some fruit. There will be evidences in your life that you're walking with him. John 15, Jesus' words, he talk, he's talking to his disciples, and it can help us when our way isn't working. So if we come to any realization that our way isn't working, well, then what should we do? What, what would work? What would be better? What would be a better way of living, some better priorities to go by? Uh, if you have ever spent the final moments with someone, a loved one, and they're one step away from leaving this earth, those final words that they say are crucial, right? They're going to say the most important things to them and that they want you to know before they pass, right? That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. 
on the night before he's going to go down across. He's going to gather his disciples. And they're going to have this last meal. And Jesus is going to lay out the most important things he's going to ever say. He gave four different discourses. This is his final, the farewell discourse is what it's talked about. If you look through, I think it's uh, all the red letters. If you're in your Bible in John, all the red letters, 13 through, I think, 16. John, the Gospel of John. Yeah, that's where we'll be. This is his farewell discourse. So it's his final words to his disciples. Knowing that he's about to leave them, he's told them how to bear fruit after he was gone. Jesus knew full and well that there would be challenges they would face when he's gone. Uh, They've enjoyed having these several years with him and following him, and they have done courageous things in obeying him after he does these miracles, and they drop their nets and they follow him. They take up their cross and they follow him. They didn't know what all that meant, but they're being a, a, they're, they're following him. Uh, and now he's going to say, I'm, I'm going to go. And you're going to continue this movement. This, the gospel is going to go on through you. Can you imagine their doubt, their fear, their uncertainty that they're about to face? This insecurity is coming. They're probably overwhelmed regarding their mission. Jesus knows if the disciples try to do things their own way, it won't work. So with that backdrop, I just want to hone in on one verse tonight. One verse. Chapter 15, verse 5, New King James Version. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Pretty clear what he's saying there. Now you can go back and forth. What does he mean by abide? What does abide mean? We'll we'll dig into that. But what is a branch? Before we get into abide, what, what does a branch do? Does a branch do a lot of things? A branch just is. They're just there. A branch doesn't provide their own sustaining ability to survive. They just are. They're connected to the vine and they're just there. It's the vine that produces everything that it needs for the branch. As long as it's connected to the vine, it will produce what it's supposed to and it will live. It doesn't have to do anything. When it's disconnected from the vine, however, it won't produce a thing. I have a rose bush in my backyard, and those, those thorns, they're just the meanest thing. It's not a vine. Okay, I wish I had a vine. But uh, I don't know if that grows in West Texas. But um, rose bush, thorns, that, that sounds like West Texas kind of thing, tumbleweeds and stuff. Mean weeds, okay, but these thorns are like you got to wear gloves. And but I cut, I trim it. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a. I don't have a green thumb by any means. But my wife doesn't do outside, so I do outside. That's how we work, okay. Uh, I love my wife. Anyhow, it's being recorded. Uh, so I'm out there with you. Every, you know, once a year. I don't know when the right time is to trim these things, but I know you better wear protection because they're they'll poke you and they're deadly. But the minute I trim it, if it's in the right spot or not, it doesn't matter. I just want it to be shorter where I can see over them, right? So I just go and I start doing it. Sometimes I do the hedge, whatever. They just, just go and I, it's probably the worst way to do it. I haven't killed it yet. Point of the story is, and I try to rake it up. You try to rake it up and see, oh, there's my, there's my, uh, there's my, uh, my yard and my, and my landscape. And it's great. I don't get them all up. Some of the branches are still there. What color are they when I come back two weeks later? They were all green. They were connected. They're brown. They're dead. They ain't doing nothing. Why? Because they got no connection. No connection to their source, their sustaining power, to the rest of the plant. In a vine in Eastern, in the Eastern cultures, the vine, and now this, that story, the vine, everyone would know exactly what metaphor Jesus is saying. It would be crystal clear. It's hard for us to West Texans to get it. But we can't. You've got to be connected to the right source. Jesus says when he's about to leave, stay connected to me. Abide in me. To bear fruit, the way you, abide, you bear fruit, the way you do things that glorify God, the way you, you have fulfillment in your life is you abide, you stay connected to God. You dwell, you live, you continue in me. Just be the branch. It's pretty simple. Focus on the connection. If we try to bear fruit apart from Jesus, it's like watering a fake plant and expecting it to grow. That'd be dumb. 
there is a news story if someone did that. They watered in like 2020, uh, maybe in the weeks ahead, they watered it and watered it, and after several months, they realized it's a fake plant. How often do we do that? I'm just, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try, and I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm watering, the, I'm, watering I'm, I'm focusing on the wrong thing. It's not going to bring me satisfaction. It's not going to bring me, it's not going to allow me to be sustained. It's not going to allow me to, bear, to bring the fruit that God wants me to have. But I'm going to give all my attention to whatever that is. I'm going to be a better day planner. I'm going to develop better habits. I'm going to do better communication. I'm more accountability. I'm going to do all these things. Jesus in his farewell discourse, his last words to his followers and to his church to follow, abide in me. If you look in these few verses in 15, 1 through 8, he's going to say abide in me. Or if you don't abide in me, if you, if you under, underline the word abide, it's like 11 times. If Jesus repeats himself, it's probably a pretty important thing that he's saying. If we don't abide in Christ, if we don't abide in him, we can do nothing. The phrase can do nothing probably captures the exasperation that some of us are doing our own way. It feels like we're getting nowhere. I'm making no progress. There's no improvement. There's no hope. Despite our good intentions, maybe I'm, despite my discipline routines, I'm seeing no gains. I can do nothing. Nothing seems to be working. I can't catch a break. The deck's stacked against me. What's the point? I've tried everything. I've tried to overcome an addiction. I've tried to make this relationship right. I've tried to get my kids to obey me. I've tried to be a better mom or a dad. I've tried to be a better grandparent, whatever it is. And it just seems like I'm spinning my wheels. Nothing seems to be working. Jesus here gives us a metaphor. It's a word picture. And he oftentimes spoke in metaphors. It's, uh, it's an easy way for, and I think it's a, it's a great, now oftentimes their metaphors in the first century is not the same ones that we all use. Uh, but it's an easy way to say, okay, I get what that is. I, I get what, that, what he's trying to say to me. Of course, he's speaking these metaphors that would say exactly to them what they knew exactly what that meant. Uh, when Jesus wants his followers to understand how to live in the world, he tells them to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world. Like a town built on a hill that can't be hidden in Matthew 5, he says all these things. Or when Jesus reveals himself as the giver of living water to the Samaritan woman, when she has, you know, she's on her fifth husband, and she's trying to be set, trying to get fulfilled with all these, all these relationships, and none of them are working out. And she's like, "Well, you don't just need water at the well; you need the living water, and I'm that living water. A relationship with me is the only thing that will sustain you." And he says later on in John that he's the bread of life, and then he goes on in John ten and says he's the good shepherd. He uses these metaphors because they're memorable. He takes a complex idea and he connects it to a familiar picture so that the listener continues to discover and apply deeper meanings to what he's saying. He is the vine, we are the branches. When we are with him, we will bear fruit. Is Jesus a liar? No. He speaks the truth. If you're connected to Jesus, we will operate from a place of rest. You know, be still and know that I am God. Isn't it hard to be still today? Did y'all get that warning today? That I don't know how you silence the thing, but it and the whole office is just going off. I'm like, man, I'm glad that didn't happen during worship service or something, but it, it was very important that it happened. It distracted me from my studies. My point is, it is hard to get away and to focus sometimes. The amount of information that we have at our hands and every generation as they get younger, they're going to have more and more information. But even the more and more information we have, doesn't it seem like we're getting dumber? The younger generations, the first thing they do is they Google it. They don't know the answer to anything. They Google it, right? Siri, Google, Alexa, whatever. And they'll have an answer like that. But it seems like the more we live that way and with technology, it seems like we can't get very deep in relationships. We can't get very deep on, have you read a book? Have you read a book recently? It can be an electronic book if it's still literally a book. Have you finished a book? 
I did seminary, and I did a lot of reading in seminary, and I went through about a year or two where I didn't want to read a book again, ever. And then God convicted me of that and said, you're going to be stupid. Don't do that. I need you to read some more books. There's some things. Now, you need to be, but even in selecting a book, there's so many books. If you do it through the library, if you do it through whatever, I don't even know where to start. There's so many authors. There's so much information. How do I know I'm going to, you know? Point is, I think we have so much information, but we're so shallow in our thinking. And Jesus says, connect with me. How do you connect with God? And I'm getting ahead of myself. Read his word. Read a book that's going to tell you more about his word. It's okay to read a fiction book. It's okay to solve a mystery and whatever. But you should balance that with something that's really going to have eternal ramifications for you. How can I live better for God? How can God use me better in my life situation that I'm at? Because it's not by chance. It's not luck. It's not. It's God's providential work in my life that he has me and you here in West Texas at Kelvia Heights Baptist Church on this Wednesday night. We have a sovereign God that works throughout our circumstances of life. And no matter what the world says, and it says, you know, the universe and all the things are, are coming together, and I, they, they're trying to substitute out God, G-O-D, capital G-O-D, with a bunch of little G-O-Ds. There is a sovereign God, and he is at work, and he loves you, and he loves me. Enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to make a way for sinners, you and me. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the son of God, the perfect man that died for us, he paid the price of our sin, of your sin, my sin. And if we put our faith and trust in him, then we become a child of God. Then God, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives within us. And then from that point on, it's not that I have fire insurance and I get to go to heaven. I can do, I can live for me now. I can do whatever I want. No. Then when that happens and I'm a child of God, then God wants to bless us. Not prosperity gospel. Doesn't mean I won't have troubles. There won't be rainy days. There for sure will be. There will be difficulties you will have. There will be some struggles. Some of it that God allows, and maybe it's testing of your faith. Some of it that our own sin brings on ourself. And sure enough, if I looked at that or if I decided to act on that, whatever it is, there's some consequences that come with that. Or maybe we just live in a sinful world and it's just a mess. And it's just going to be hard in this life. Regardless, God is at work. God wants to connect with us and stay connected with us. Are we staying connected to him? Psalm 127.2 says, In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the ones he loves. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. We've been going through Colossians for a couple of years. Uh, I'm just joking. Uh, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Paul here says to the believers that he wants them to grow spiritually mature. Grow in the likeness to Christ. Grow in your walk with him. That Christ is your Lord, that he's indwelled in you. The command is to continue to live in him, to walk in him. Being rooted, being built up, being established in the faith, and overflowing with gratitude. Does that describe you and does that describe me? If we're honest, sometimes, nah, it doesn't. Jesus boils down our need to one word in this passage, and the word is connection. That's the one blank. If you're going to write something down, that's it. When our way isn't working, there's always a connection issue. We live in a day and age that has to be connected. If you're not on Wi-Fi, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? No telling. No telling what could happen. But if you're not on Wi-Fi and your network's down, it's like the end of the world or something. Maybe not for some older people, but for my age and younger, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Something could happen and I couldn't even know about it. Till about 30 minutes later. We all have streaming services now, so you can stream through your network different providers and watch your television, and that's all good and dandy until what? Your network's down. Then you pull out the board games and you do all the creative, crafty things, and that works for young kids. It doesn't work for teens. But um, connection, we, you know, when you fly somewhere, that connecting flight is a big deal. You want to make sure you get on the right airplane. 
because you don't want to go to Idaho when you're trying to go to Las Vegas or whatever. You want to make sure the connection is important. Cell phones, connection, 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 connection. AT&T, they're all about pushing the connection because why? They want us to buy their phones. But Jesus was on to it. He knew that connection was everything. We are the branches, and the branches' most important job is to stay connected to the vine. All right, I'm going to do it. I said I wasn't, but I decided I, I will. I will read the first few verses of chapter 15. Note how many times he says, abide. Maybe underline it. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that, he bear, that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the world which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Who abide. That's a lot. Minnow's the Greek word. Abide, abide, abide. Uh, it also, some translations say remain or stay. First John, y'all just came out of a long series with Sam and First John. This was the providence of God that he's, ending, he's doing First John and I'm doing John. It's a lot of John right now, but that's okay. Uh, the same guy. First John 2.24, Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. One verse, four abides. Same word. First John 2.27-28, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So we want to fix things, we want to control things, we want to do our, our, our to-do list sometimes. But you have to be careful, especially your go-getters. Don't put production over connection. I got to be used by God, I got to be used by God, I got to be used by God, I got to work, I got to work, I got to do things, I got to get things worth it, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And you're missing your power source. It's your connection to God. It's, it's his strength, the Holy Spirit working in you to allow you to do the things he's called you to do, to produce that fruit that he calls you to produce in your life. It's not in my own strength. It's not in my own abilities. Uh, you know, but we want to see, and I think it's a natural human desire, we want to see immediate, tangible results. I want to see, like, you know, I need to diet or I need to exercise. Say there's one of those things that, or maybe both. Maybe both are true. Well, I'm going to set a goal, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out four times this week. I'm going to walk three times. I'm going to drink eight glasses of water. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat healthy, but there's the pantry with all the things I bought, which is all unhealthy food. I'm going to do all of these things, and I'm going to do these things, and it's going to make immediate results, and in probably three days I will be lose 10 pounds, and I will, be look, I will look ripped and all of that, all those things. It's just going to happen. Because we live in a day and age that wants immediate results. And the, the realization hits, I don't know, maybe two, three days. How many New, Year, New Year's uh, goals, never resolutions never get achieved? Most of them don't. I just got through reading a, a, a Atomic Habits. It's, a, it's not a Christian book, but it's, it's a secular book, but it's like a New York Times bestseller, and it's all these things. I'm like, eh, I'll read this, see what it says. And I walked away thinking, it's all good theories, but I don't know if I have the discipline to do any of those things. He doesn't say exactly what you should do. It's, it's good, psychological things and all the stuff. But I think, and there's a million habit-forming books out there. There's a minute podcast that talk about leadership. There's a million things we could spend our time on. But what I'm wrestling with and what I think Jesus would say is, focus on just connecting with God. How hard is that? 
It shouldn't be that hard. But when you look, and I look at my life, and you look at your life, and if you put down how much you spend your time, if you logged your time at work, at home, all of your days in a week, are you abiding in him? Well, what does that look like, Keith? What does that I mean, you can abide, you can abide, not abide in him and you can go to church. You can be not connected to God and you can come be here right tonight. And what we're going to look at in the next few weeks, well, how do I abide in him? What, what does that look like? And I'll give you some of those things, but I think you and I, if we did some self-evaluation, we know there are things in our lives we need to give up and there are things in our lives we need to start doing if we're going to abide in God. Connecting with Jesus begins when we recognize our need and humbly depend on him. Jesus did everything to restore and maintain the right relationship. All we got to do is stay connected. It seems simple, but it's really hard sometimes. God for sure saves, and once saved, always saved. I believe that. But there are times, and even in our spiritual lives, and I'm not going to assume everyone in here is saved, but I would assume probably most of us are, but not all, maybe. God knows. But if we're talking about walking with God, and I was saved at a young age, and I grew up. God allowed me to, God in his providence and his sovereignty, he saved me for sure. But I grew up, and my dad was a music minister in church. And I, grew, I was in the church when I was in diapers and all that stuff. You know, three times, four times a week, I'm in church. And I go off to A&M, and I go to college, and I thought, not that I told God no, but I kind of just wasn't really going to do what my dad did and now my son's doing the same thing. But anyway, moving on. Uh, I think it's a natural kid thing to do. But uh, I, had, I was going to work up the corporate ladder. And I'm, I had all my plan. I'm going to get this business degree. Well, first an engineering degree. But then I didn't study or go to class or some combination. Uh, but you have to go to class. It's weird. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I changed majors and get accounting. And then intermediate accounting is really boring for me. Sorry, Mark. I couldn't do it. I wasn't disciplined enough. And uh, so I changed with the HR management degree. And I got my bachelor's. And then uh, I thought I was going to work, you know, my uncle is, at, I may have shared this in here. My uncle works at, at the time, worked at Bank of America. He was pretty high up, Bank of America. So he's going to get me that interview, and I'm going to get that job. I'm going to start working up the corporate ladder. I'm just going to have success. It's going to be nothing smooth sailing. He got me the interview, didn't get the job, pretty crushed. Any of y'all ever interview for a job and didn't get it? It's pretty crushing. Rejection. Uh, and then walking your kids through rejection is fun too, but like, yeah, your life will go on. It's not the end of the world. Whether someone dumps you, job doesn't hire you, your life will go on. God has a plan. Don't worry. And God did have a plan. I, eventually I came around, I surrendered. He kind of shut every door but the church. And, uh, and I surrendered to be used. I didn't know what that meant. This isn't about my story. I don't come up here and I don't stand up here to say I have it all figured out. There are days, even in ministry, even pastors, heaven forbid I say this, but there are days when pastors, and I'll say I'm one of them, that we feel discouraged. I feel like I'm not seeing success. I'm not feeling like, God, am I, am I really doing what you want me to do? Because I'm not seeing the immediate results that I thought I would have or that you would do. And maybe it's harder than I thought. And, uh, and God, what are you teaching me? So it's not, a connect, it's not a question of are you, are you a child of God. If you put your faith and trust in God, you are. But Jesus here says to his disciples, of course, Judas is going to deny him. But the other 11 are going to cling to him and they're going to try to abide in him. Not perfectly, but they're going to be sold out for him until they get martyred. And they're going to use and they're going to spread Christianity and gospel message. But I'm sure there are days and we'll note Peter and you'll note John. You know, they had some tough days and they had big doubts. And I'm just suggesting to you, as I'm trying to be transparent but not totally transparent, we all have those times in our lives. And maybe you're not there now. Maybe it all is good. Maybe your walk with God is a, is a, it's a sweet time. Maybe you're on the mountaintop experience. Uh, that's great. But you know, there, and you live life long enough, there come times when it's just hard. It's just difficult. And it seems like, God, you're not there, but I know you are. And it's probably not God that went anywhere. It's us. It's us that focuses on all these other things that the world says, focus on this. And you need this. And you need that. And you need this. This will make you happy. And this will make you smart. This will make you better. And this will fill the void. And none of it does. And you think we would learn. But the enemy is really good. 
He's really good at twisting the truth and making things that are really bad look good. DraftKings looks like a great thing because they sponsor all of the sporting events. But you know what that is? They have the warning at the bottom. If you have a gambling problem, don't do DraftKings. Brilliant, right? Then why are you advertising this 24-7 saying we need to call this number to make bets? Because they make money off of it. That's why. And they get enough people into gambling, it's profitable. Same thing with alcohol. Same with thing with all sorts of things. If you're looking to the world to satisfy, the world will never satisfy. Also, don't put, uh, don't put, don't put your loved one in the position of God in your life. God provides spouses. God provides children. God provides parents. God works through those institutions. None of them are perfect. No parent's perfect. No child's perfect. None of that's perfect. But it's a great that we can see how God loves as we get to experience some of those relationships. But some people put, if, uh, if you put moms, if you put raising your children as your number one everything in life, what happens when they leave? Now, empty nesters, we would all say empty nesters rejoice. It's great. And I'm living it. And it has its moments. But it's also surreal. It's quiet. And maybe that's why I have this time to do some soul searching and say, I need to reprioritize things. I love my kids and I love my wife, but they can't fill some voids that only God can fill. So as I close tonight, we should abide in Christ. And we'll look in the weeks ahead about what that means and some counterfeit things that say, hey, you should abide in this and see what results come of that. Last week I asked Pastor if I could go to the Gospel Coalition Conference, and so I went. He said I could, so I went. I have never been to one of these before. Basically, what is it? It's a preaching, it's a preaching conference. It's like a youth camp for pastors. Uh, you get fired up and all the things. Um, never been to Indianapolis. It's beautiful downtown. Not so fun with 6,000 different pastors coming from all over the nation and countries, but all over the world. But I hear from uh, you're packed in like sardines, yes. You hear from preachers, big world-leading preachers, H.B. Charles, John Piper, Leakin, Duncan, David Platt, Andrew Wilson, J.D. Greer, they've all written many books. And they all wanted me to buy all their books. And I couldn't afford it. But uh, the theme was hope in the wilderness. And they all preached out of the book of Exodus. And the first night, I had to fly out of here at 5 in the morning, and so I was pretty tired on the first night, so I sat on the very front row of 6,000 different people, men and women. I was trying to catch that holy spit or whatever. I could, you know, just get a touch. Touches him or something like that. I'm just joking. Uh, sometimes you just need to be recharged. And you don't have to often time, you don't have to get away and go to walk to Emmaus or go to a, but you do need to form out some time to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to prioritize my connection with God. And uh, I felt at that time he was reminding me of the power source is God. He called me. He gives me the strength to do what he wants. It's in my weakness that he shows his strength. Remember whose child I am. He saves me. He called me. The results is up to God. If I want to be a godly husband, and I definitely do, I cannot do that without God's enabling help. I cannot do it on myself. If I want to be a God-pleasing father, and I do with all my heart, Without the Lord's help, it's not going to happen. If I want to be a Christ-like pastor and a faithful preacher, without Christ working in me, you're looking at a man that just can't do it. In your own strength, you and I will all fail. It's true. You and I can do nothing without Christ. But if you flip that record over and you play the other side with Christ, staying connected to him, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God... And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Colossians 2.10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. What are you connecting to? What's sustaining you? What are you abiding in? What are you remaining in? 
It should be Christ. He is the true vine. He's the one that produces the fruit. And if we're not being satisfied in our life and we feel like the sky is falling and everything's dark and gray and there's no hope, and a lot of people are that way, where's your focus? Whose child are you? Who called you? Who saves you? Who gives you the Holy Spirit that's always with you and in you and walks with you through the dark days, through the difficult times? This series is not minimizing depression or minimizing the different clinical things that our world faces and, and, and addictions that are out there and difficult, but a lot of people are looking for a lot of answers in the wrong place. And I think what Jesus is saying here and what I'm saying here is make sure you're connected and looking in the right place, which is God. He'll never fail you. He'll always be faithful. When your and my way isn't working, you're not sure what to do, just be the branch. Stay connected with Jesus. You'll bear much fruit, but apart from him, you cannot do anything. As I close, how's your connection to God? That's the question. As we go through the next few weeks, how's the connection with God? Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you even for the hundreds of years ago that you said these words that they still challenge us today that we need to abide in you that oftentimes we need to just turn away from the distractions of this life and of this world and we need to focus on the things that will last the things that will satisfy the things that will quench our thirst for more and our want for for more and when we're really hungry it's the bread that really lasts thank you jesus that you are that that you are uh, you are that uh, sustaining power and i pray that we would try to connect to you more in the weeks ahead Forgive us where we fail you. We all fail you. Uh, but know that uh, you'll forgive us if we confess our sins to you, the things that cause us to drift away from you, uh, to maybe block our relationship and our connection to you or, 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 or make it hard to seem like a reality that you're with us. God, you are with us, and you want to use us for your glory to reach the people that we can only reach and to uh, bring hope in this, uh, in this dark world. So I just pray that you would encourage each person here to know that if they put their faith and trust in you and become a child of God, that you, you, you want to stay connected and you want to walk with them through everything of this life. And ultimately, when this life is over, we, we get the joy of, of running home to our Heavenly Father and that you will say, good and faithful servant, welcome home. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ and in him alone. And we pray that you would be with us now as we leave. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.